Hey everyone, Joe here. In this episode, I had the fantastic opportunity to chat with Allison Henderson, an author and body language expert with over two decades of training and teaching movement. Allison is one of only 22 certified movement pattern analysts in the world, and during our talk, we discussed the importance of nonverbal communication, and Allison provided some helpful tips on communicating in various environments. Enjoy. Live, learning, leadership, the Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I have with me another outstanding guest in the lounge with me today, Allison Henderson. How are you, Allison? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, I've been in quarantine for a little bit, but I only got a couple days left, so uh, I'm pretty excited. Itching to get out, I'm sure. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I have a, a newfound um, respect for people that have to be in these type of environments for a long time. So absolutely. But for for our listeners, Allison is an author and body language expert with over two decades of training and teaching movement, and is one of only 22 certified movement pattern analysts in the world. Welcome to the lounge, Allison. We are grateful you were able to make some time to be with us today. Oh, this will be fun. I love doing these kinds of talks and spreading the word about good body language and nonverbal communication. It is so necessary. And mm -hmm. I really feel like the world is kind of waking up a bit to, um, to the need for this now, particularly yeah. in the current circumstances where everybody's meeting through Zoom or everybody's mm -hmm. meeting with masks on. Suddenly people are thinking, oh, maybe I should have paid a little bit more attention to thinking about the, what the rest of my body is doing instead yeah. of just my words. So right. I mean, I, I just, you know, I don't even think I appreciated how much not having a mask on, how much more you get from, you know, a person's mouth movements, you know what I mean? Like just understanding what's going on. Um, yeah, there, there's so much to it and I'm looking forward to digging into it. But um, speaking of our new environment, we've noticed, um, you know, we've had guests on from around the world and, and a lot of us in the Lama Lounge were from all over the place as well. So we've noticed that we're all experiencing this new abnormal a little bit differently. So um, I was hoping that maybe you can share uh, where you're at and what are the, what's the environment like where you're at? I live outside of Chicago and it's been really strange not traveling into the city mm. a couple times a week. Uh, and when you do drive in because there's less going on that kind of eerie ghost yeah. town is really uh, striking and of course we had a lot of the uh protests and unrest mm -hmm. and we did have a lot of looting and you know and that sort of thing went on uh, as well for us in early june and traveling uh driving in you know after that was certainly just a different experience means that definitely a different city when there's nobody walking around and i've been working from home virtually uh you know as of march whatever the day was that our city shut down i think it was the 20th or 21st i believe my children were sent home about a week before that uh but every public speaking uh, gig and training and everything was suddenly halted and yeah. it took a couple of weeks to, to convince people to try things online or to switch things over and since then I've just been doing a, quite a bit of online training for businesses on virtual communication because all of a sudden you know that was that was a need or conferences that were turning virtual what my talk may have been for them kind of mm -hmm. switched over to what is the what is the necessary communication for the circumstances that we're suddenly all in it's really uh, striking when the entire world moves online in the matter of like two or three days when right. you talk about the education system or every business suddenly working from home it's it, i don't know that we've really seen anything quite so uh universal yeah. in, at least not not in my lifetime you know email took 
you know, a decade or so to we could adopt it kind of slowly and get used to it and right. develop protocols and etiquettes. But there really was nothing for uh, our online calls because businesses had been using them for years, but I think it was just, oh, that's just for those companies that have mm -hmm. remote workers, or that's just for those companies that have multiple offices. And so they get together once a month or once a week. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't this daily connection through the screen that we've experienced. Yeah. And I mean, it's in a steep learning curve for some people. And um, yeah, and I think I know I've grown a lot just stretching myself with the technology and the platforms that we're using a lot more, but man, the people who created these platforms look really smart now. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, what a boom for you know, certain industries, right. um, of course. And, you know, it was quite the learning curve. You know, I was teaching my parents and my in-laws, you know, mm -hmm. how to, to do this uh, because they had certainly never used these kinds of platforms, but we were doing what everybody else was. We were having big uh, get togethers via zoom with the yeah. family to celebrate holidays and things. Yeah. You know, Easter used to be at my house this year yeah. it was, well, let's get together on zoom. Uh, yeah. So it really um, interesting. I think, yeah. you know, again, like cross, culturally and cross-generationally there is mm -hmm. this little commonality now that we all share yeah it's definitely made the world smaller i mean i i don't think that you know, i mean you and i would be talking right now if it wasn't for this so i think it's pretty cool and i know uh, people have had to get a little bit more creative uh my family and i the guys in the family we do uh, bar trivia every now and then on zoom we all have some drinks and one of us is responsible for some questions <laughs> and you know so it's just so we found ways to still stay connected so it's pretty cool yeah we played yeah group risk which was hmm. interesting uh we've done left right center which is the dice game with multiple screens going on nice. um we played monopoly once with another <laughs> family and they had their board and we had our board and you know we were moving <laughs> around in our two different homes and i mean yeah. we figure it out yeah. <laughs> but yeah only way uh to do anything that seems sort of remotely normal and and fun versus yeah. sitting around and moping early on yeah, for sure. I'm gonna have to figure out if we can play uh, spades this way somehow, and yeah, figure it out if everybody's gonna keep their integrity. Though I'm not sure about the, the people I play with, so <laughs> can't, I'm not sure if I can trust them on spades. But Allison, so whenever we have a guest in the lounge, we ask that they tell their story as we find that you know we gain a lot of wisdom from the experiences of others. So, would you please share with us how Allison Henderson became the woman she is today? Oh, I am a Midwest girl at heart. I grew up in Ohio my entire life, uh, the daughter of two, uh, two teachers. Mm. Uh, so I definitely valued uh, education and because I guess, the, you know, their jobs weren't really mobile. It certainly wasn't like... Um, some other folks that I know are probably a lot of your audience members in the military, you know, mm -hmm. moving around. We, you know, I stayed in the same location uh, my entire formative years, went to college, then I moved to New York City because, of course, everybody should. <laughs> I didn't want to grow up uh, or someday saying I'd never tried it because I was a music theater uh, junkie and performer and that's what my undergrad was in mm -hmm. uh, theater and music went to New York tried that for a while decided I don't know that I want to live in this rat race uh, yeah. for all of that that long so did the whole you know boomerang back to my parents uh, when uh, before it was popular <laughs> uh, probably and then um, I was lucky enough to meet my husband shortly after that and that took us to South Carolina so I stayed in South Carolina for a couple of years hmm. decided that we needed to get back to the Midwest <laughs> uh, nothing against uh, uh, the southern lifestyle we were just both very much Midwestern people so hmm. I decided to go back to graduate school for directing so hmm. still in theater came to Roosevelt University here in Chicago and did my hmm. and did my degree and you know, where does the body language piece or the movement pattern analysis part come in? 
you know, that's really because everybody has a day job to support mm -hmm. this in your habit, as I like to say, because <laughs> uh, when you're directing or performing, you're not really being paid. Yeah. And I was noticing so much dysfunction in the offices that I was temping in as far as mm. uh, just the, the communication flare-ups and the friction between the people was just, wow, if I had that much drama on my stage at night, I mean, mm. I would <laughs> it would right. be like, shoot, I would be famous. I, you know, yeah. uh, I would be directing <laughs> Broadway if I could capture this lightning in a bottle that was happening uh, day to day in meetings. And so I was inspired. To, There's got to be something we can do, right? There's got to be um, a resource for uh, executives and managers to just uh, learn things that they don't know. And that really took me to this, uh, what my specialty is, which is called movement pattern analysis. And as you mentioned, there are only 22 of us in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a way to observe nonverbal behavior and connect it to the decision-making processes that go on in the brain. It's really the body-brain connection, kind of mm -hmm. like um, neuroscience meets body language, mm -hmm. which is, it, it's, super interesting and, yeah. and cool and it, it was really opened my eyes to some things that uh, that we had talked about when we met the idea that we could shouldn't necessarily take so many things personally because mm -hmm. it's really our thought process that is driving our communication it's how we think that determines the words that come out of our mouth so if we say something to somebody else and they take offense to it Mm -hmm. or they take it the wrong way, which happens so often, it really isn't, isn't a personal issue. It's they are, um, they're processing it through their brain in a different way. And so mm -hmm. there, there's no connection. There's, the connection has been lost. And I spend my life preaching <laughs> the idea that we can learn to communicate better if we open our eyeballs, which as I mm. call it, listening with your eyes, mm. it is a way to see what's happening across the table or through the screen in the case of our current situation and alter your communication based on what you see and hear from the other person. You can, instead of speaking how, uh, how I would be convinced, I can communicate in a way that you are more open to hear it and more open to go along with if it's say a manager that is giving some you know, news that usually comes down to them from on high and they need to communicate it in a way that the rest of the, the company or the office or their team will buy into it. Let's mm. say it's a new uh, bonus plan or it's a new insurance policy or something, you know, how do they communicate it in a way that their team will understand the changes that are coming down the pipe, what they need to do in order to mm -hmm. get signed up for this new thing, mm -hmm. uh, how, how it will affect them and how it is, you know, we hope it's better than the plan before, mm -hmm. but, you know, giving them the, the gift of understanding rather than this is just what corporate has sent down to me and here it is to you. There should be a human connection piece in the middle there. Somewhere. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. And the first thing I want to ask is, okay, so you spent some time, you, I mean, you're from Chicago and then you stayed some, some time in New York. Which pizza is better? Ooh. Um, I probably have to say I, I do enjoy the deep dish. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, you have to wait a while. That's the worst thing. Uh -huh. You're not just walking in and getting a slice. Yeah. You know, and take folding it and taking it on the street with you. Uh, yeah. You are because you're, you know, if you order, you can't just get it by the, the you buy the whole pie and yeah. you are waiting longer for yeah. it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I really, that was one of the, you know, the great things anytime anybody came to visit was yeah. Yeah. doing the deep dish. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I, so I, I'm actually a fan, probably more of the New York. So I lived over there for a while. And I spent some time in Chicago just on a visit. But um, I remember a friend of mine brought it up. He was like, "Man, he was like pizza. I mean, you don't want to eat it like an animal with your hands. You should eat it with a uh, <laughs> a fork, and, you know, and all that." So I was like, "What?" He was from Chicago, and he was trying to get me to buy into it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, me, me, I, I'm, I'm a 
I'm good with all types of pizzas. I'm pretty happy either way. But yeah, I think I, I just lean towards a thin crust a little bit, probably a little bit for the health part too, if I'm going to eat it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's full of so much cheese. If you right. have acres of cheese, don't do the pizza. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, I really liked your perspectives on that because, you know, when it comes to analyzing what people do and people say, and then, you know, how we, we interpret it, I mean, we put it through a lot of filters, right? Like of all our personal experiences and all that. And, um, and you talked about like, you know, selling your team on something to get them to buy in. So, I mean, this is really important when it comes to change management, right? Just managing change, leading your organization through change, guiding, getting a guiding coalition of people that want to buy into what you're doing so you can do that. So I think it's, this is very relevant to a lot of the stuff that we do in the military because the only consistent thing in the military is change. So, so I know you have some experience working with some military folks. Can you share some of that and some of your insights on what you learned? Absolutely. Uh, the training that I was a part of here in Chicago was with the Military Entrance Process and Command, MEPCOM, mm -hmm. um, which I think yeah. everybody has probably mm -hmm. been to. Oh, yeah. My yep. understanding is that that's, that's the door in. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter which branch of the military you're going to uh, enter. And I was fortunate enough to be asked to do a, a training, and it was across the board. It was the entire organization. I think there were 300 people or so in the room and it was really hot and stuffy and like, <laughs> many people in this room. Uh, it would not happen today because there was no social distancing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they also broadcast it live to all of the centers around mm -hmm. the country at the same time. Wow. Uh, so I had you know, the microphone for the broadcast, I had, you know, the clicker for my slides, and then they were, they were also advancing them through this, this broad, like, live stream at the same mm -hmm. time. It was, it was quite uh, an undertaking yeah. uh, to, to get to everybody, but it really, the, the uh, idea really was to share what we had been talking about, that everybody makes decisions differently, and you need to open up your, your acceptance to other ways of thinking and other ways of literally moving. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing about the uh, METCOM's makeup is that it is part military, uh, ex-military, mm -hmm. and part civilian. And of course, they're dealing with all civilian men and women who you know, are kind of in that late, you know, they're just starting their life at 18, 19, 20 year olds in general. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all of those things are, we have a generational thing going on. We have, an, we have a civilian versus military thing going on. And there's, so everybody's kind of dealing with where they came from. And as you said, all of the filters that they have that they're going through. Uh, we noticed a big difference between the, generals and above or you know anybody with you know stars <laughs> on their shoulder or are <laughs> you know or extra stripes and all of that you know those folks having a very different kind of mindset and approach hmm. to decision making and how things should go and very accepting of the chain of command very accepting of okay i was told to do this so i will go do it mm -hmm. versus the civilians and then of course these 18 19 year olds that they're dealing with coming in and needing to be convinced needing to have the information in order to make the decision not a okay this is the chain of command or i just accept what you say because you said it and you are above me mm -hmm. in the chain of command so there was a real disconnect sometimes between the teams that were more military uh composed of more uh, military folks with that history and teams in the organization that were formed mostly of, of civilians. And so we were really working on bridging that gap, getting them to communicate mm. to one another, both by understanding that they make decisions differently and then a little bit into what are you seeing from them? How can you use your observation skills and to better communicate? Are you seeing signals that are triggering you 
<laughs> literally in the jar. Are you seeing somebody that reminds you of that second grade teacher that you <laughs> So that bias is mm -hmm. coming in to play here. And you don't even probably realize it. You're not aware that it's because of that second grade teacher that you don't like this person. Mm -hmm. So it's really complex and layered. And it, it start you start to peel those back when you share with people. Um, or you get them to open up and, you know, and they'll say, well, I just didn't like the way that they were sitting or standing. And like, what, what, what about it? <laughs> well, they, they, I felt like they weren't listening to me. Okay. So what about their movement made you think they weren't listening to you? And then you start to open up and you ask the other person, okay, so did you feel like you were listening? <laughs> You know, it becomes a little therapy in a sense of, right. uh, you know, a little, you know, grand negotiator uh, sometimes. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, in, in some cases, oh, well, you know what, my, my left ear, um, I, have, I have hearing loss in my left ear. So the fact that I was turning away from you and kind of, you know, putting my right ear closer to you, you know, if they're not communicating that to the other person, that person's right. taking it as, oh you're you're turning away from me so that means that you don't like what i have to say right now and you know we make these assumptions without mm -hmm. any basis really right, and that's right. where part of that um listening with your eyes taking things in context what else is going on is the person mm -hmm. still smiling and nodding even though they have their arms crossed mm -hmm. are is or are they kind of grimacing and um you know, their foot is tapping because they're, they want to get out of here. Right. <laughs> uh, you need to take everything in context and look at, and look at what's going on in a greater picture rather than making knee-jerk reactions. We're really trying to slow down the, uh, the knee-jerk reaction, which nine times out of 10 has been taken very poorly because somebody speaks, you know, yeah. their mind without kind of filtering it through. Yeah. And I think, you know, with, um, with the folks over at MEPS and, you know, any other people that deal with, uh, you know, a large group of people from different cultures that come in, whether it's cultures within our country or, you know, second, uh, first generation immigrants coming from another country that want to join the service like I was, you know, and, um, and we all bring our own, you know, uh, complexities to, to it too. Because I remember um, um, I teach uh, at the university, um, as an adjunct professor about leadership studies and one of my diversity courses, we were talking about how, um, you know, th this businessman goes to Japan and he's, you know, presenting his stuff and the Japanese businessmen are nodding. Well, and then he's thinking, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're into this. They're, they want this, you know, they're agreeing with what I'm saying. It's like, no, they're just, that's their way of showing you that they're listening to you. It doesn't mean they agree with you whatsoever. <laughs> and and you know, so then he takes assumptions from that and he just goes down the wrong path completely and thinks he's a rock star. And he's like, no, they didn't want anything you sold. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens between um, men and women as well. Mm -hmm. Women tend to nod for their listening to you and to keep speaking okay, to mm -hmm. encourage you to keep talking right. whereas uh, men in the states when they're nodding it's usually agreement so that mm -hmm. can be the same you know issue happens right. uh there i know it's it's happened to me in the past where i got an email from somebody after we had a meeting and they and you know they they thought we were moving ahead i mean they <laughs> thought we had you know agreement <laughs> on it and i was like oh i'm I'm so I'm sorry. I didn't realize that we had <laughs> we didn't shake on it, which to me I thought you know there was no signing of anything. So okay, you're you think that I'm doing this training for you, or you think you know, um, it, because I'm sure I was just smiling and nodding away and doing <laughs> right, giving very good relational uh, communication signals of how collaborative we are and. You know, using everything that I know, right. quote unquote, on them, which sometimes people think is sneaky or, or, or something. And like, <laughs> you no, know, you, you use everything that you know, right? You right. use everything in your toolbox. I just happen to have different skills in mind than, you know, than the average person. Mm -hmm. uh, and so once we get over them not moving because they're worried that I'm <laughs> observing them and we can relax and have a conversation, and then I can turn my eyes on too and, and hopefully encourage a better conversation yeah yeah <laughs> that, that, that's that's some great tips there too because that's, that's interesting i think that uh a lot of times we interpret things you know like i said earlier and like you had mentioned through our own lenses and biases and i think um 
you know, when you talked about the, you know, the, the, your teacher, you know, you might have thought about your teacher or whatever. I, I always, uh, think about this as like your ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-boss syndrome. Like if you, if you work for somebody or you with somebody and that was a certain way and then they, they did something commonly, you start interpreting other people's actions that way, you know, that, that, that's a symbol now. And, um, I, I, I had a subordinate one time and I was actually just asking a question. I was out of curiosity cause I really didn't know the answer. And, um, and they seemed like they got a little bit defensive, like they, they thought I was testing them. You know? And that's so like I noticed that their body language kind of changed and they were a little bit more, you know, defensive and, and they're in their um, tone. And I was like, what, how did you interpret what I just asked you? Because I was literally just asking because I don't know the answer to the question. I'm not trying to play stump the chump. I mean, did, did this happen to you before? <laughs> do people used to do this to you? And, you know, and then it becomes a, a better conversation versus an argument that kind of goes down the wrong path. We tend to always think the worst, mm -hmm. right? Which is part of our DNA. It's part of our makeup. Mm -hmm. Our limbic brain, which is what they call the reptilian brain that mm -hmm. controls our emotions and keeps our, us breathing and all of those things, it, it's what takes in our nonverbal communication as well. It's the part that reads you and gives you that gut reaction of things are going great or things are going terribly. The problem is we are trained or we grew up, you know, we have this fight or flight thing going on. That's mm -hmm. just part of, of us since we were cavemen days, right? And as a caveman, you're in your cave, you hear a noise outside, you better react to it as if it's a bear versus a squirrel or a mountain lion or something. You know, you, you better be prepared for the, for the disaster mode. And we still have that in our DNA. And when we start to see things going badly, we tend to fixate on them or, you know, continue down that, that rabbit hole. And this happens to speakers all the time or people that are giving a presentation. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people will ask me things like, well, how do I know everybody is, is listening or how do I keep them engaged? And really, I, I usually I tell them, keep everybody in your view because what's going to happen is you're going to start fixating on the one person that looks like they're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. You're going to start worrying about the one person that just checked their phone or checked their watch mm -hmm. or is half falling asleep or you, you know, you know instinctively that they're not paying attention and they're, and they're, they're not following you. Mm -hmm. But you're not then looking at the other 99 people in the room who are smiling and engaged and all that. You start to fix it. Like, how can I fix that one person? Or how can mm -hmm. I change my talk to get that one person to look up? And usually I say, you got to let those people go. You mm -hmm. have to start then talking to the other 99 that are with you. Mm -hmm. uh, or if it looks, or then open your eyes and for, teachers, when I work with, with teachers, I say, you know, the same thing, look at the rest of the class. Do you really need a break? Do you really need to switch up your, your curriculum right now? Or is it just that one student that worked too late the night before or was mm -hmm. up watching TV all night and so now they're, they're tired? You know, it, it, it's, not it's not indicative of everybody. And usually that's kind of what happens to us because mm -hmm. we, we start to fear you know, things going badly and we start to look at that one person that then is distracting us from our message. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I mean, when, when people, you know, when you have some people in your class or in your group that you're speaking to and they have, you know, some of the, you definitely want to read those and see, and maybe that's good feedback. But if it's like one person, there's, you got, you know, I, I always tell people, it's like, there are people that just don't even like free ice cream. You know what I mean? There, there are people out there <laughs> and you know what I mean? And, and well, don't, yeah. So it's like, so, and then what, what happens is you end up losing the rest of the people because you're fixated on the one, right? Yeah. <laughs> or they'll be like, you know, what happened to you in the middle of that? You just kind of changed mid stream yeah. that and yeah. I was following along and uh so yeah there's just a lot to take in because there are so many distractions and as you say biases or frameworks that we're looking mm -hmm. through and just personal history and you know, so usually half of my message is you know cut yourself some slack <laughs> right uh figure that your your instincts are pretty good mm -hmm. and use that listen to that gut instinct and then take a step back and say, okay, what's really happening here? And is it a good gut instinct? You know, should I be 
worried, you know, you're walking down the street and you feel like somebody may be following you, you know, yeah. check it out. It's some, right. it, hey, that person really, I'm going to duck into the store right now because I do feel like I'm being followed and whether I'm being, you know, my safety comes first kind of thing. Uh, and, or if you kind of, you know, kind of look around and like, oh no, they just walk, you know, they just cross the street. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, but take that moment to have that perspective rather than, you know, immediately, you know, running away or immediately, <laughs> immediately, you know, turning your pepper spray on some, you know, poor person that just happens to be walking behind you. You know, we, right. I, I think sometimes in our heightened anxiety, which is kind of where we're at as a nation right now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's another, you know, whole thing. We're in this weird dichotomy of we've been told our entire lives that people with masks on are bad and are dangerous. And now mm -hmm. where our brain is going, no, that person now the person without the mask is the danger i mean it's this weird thing that's uh, <laughs> that's happened to us right and the same thing through through the screen our brain is going you're telling me that we're having a meeting and that we're all together mm -hmm. but i know we're not because <laughs> i'm here and nobody else is here right? right so there's this you know we're kind of constantly in override mode and i think mm -hmm. that's part of what's happening uh to us today and why we why virtual meeting fatigue is a thing mm -hmm. and uh you know and and we are kind of in a heightened anxiety we're reminded of the the virus every moment mm -hmm. right when, when we're meeting virtually because i can't be with you or we're putting masks on or we're sitting six feet apart like there is really no situation except for your very close family members. And you've been in this situation. You've been literally uh, <laughs> isolated right. by yourself. Uh, and so every relationship, you know, has changed and, and been affected. So we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace and mm -hmm. use all of the uh, skills that we have, nonverbal and verbal, to continue to communicate to one another. Yeah, you know, I, I love your perspective on that because I will tell you, like, when I first started um, having a lot of these meetings, and um, and I'm an introvert by nature, although nobody believes me, but uh, but uh, having these conversations quite a bit um, at the at the initially, whether it was just a Zoom meeting uh, or it was a podcast recording, if I did a couple of these, I would be smoked by the end of the day. I would just be smoked. And, um, as I've been doing it, you know, I really believe in that whole systems one versus systems two, and you start making things a habit and it becomes easier. So, you know, your brain starts making shortcuts. It doesn't, it's not as exhausting now I can, you know, do yesterday I had four different zoom meetings and I wasn't smoked at the end of the day. So I think there's a lot of that as well. And it's just us stretching, right? We're stretching to learn some things a little bit differently, but I think it's really important for us to understand that. Like, because, you know, we're, we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. We just, you know, our body language and everything else starts shifting and people start reading that we're not, we're not our normal selves. Right. Well, and through the screen, that's a yeah. whole other issue where to be authentic still mm -hmm. and to be, right. to look the same as they knew you in the office mm -hmm. or uh, is, was a challenge at the beginning because mm -hmm. people didn't, there, there weren't etiquettes and protocols for kind of how to sit, you know, to, to raise your camera, right, mm -hmm. is one thing. Raise right. your screen up so that you're not looking down and people aren't <laughs> looking up, up, their nose, up your nose. <laughs> Um, or, you know, sit back so that it's not just your face. I mean, yeah, nobody wants to see that, right? Like everybody's yeah. face is just like totally <laughs> right in the screen or, or, or in those weird places where, where you only see eyeballs, you yeah. know, I, it, it, or it was weird at the beginning, yeah. right? And the whole, can you hear me now? And people didn't know how to turn on the microphones and the this yeah. and the that, yeah. uh, that, that happened. And now I feel like there is a little bit of a shift. Mm -hmm. to people understanding a little bit more of kind of how to show up mm -hmm. on screen. But you know, there is still an energy difference. Yeah. You, and that's part of the fatigue that you feel after being online for so many hours or multiple meetings is that you have to give more energy to mm -hmm. the screen to look like you off screen because right. the screen is flattening you literally from mm -hmm. three dimensionals to two dimensional. And so there were a lot of, you know, very boring or lackluster meetings at the very beginning i felt like too where everybody was just like so flatline and it's like oh my gosh how, how are we going to get through this mm -hmm. because nobody's moving and it's boring and it why aren't we just on the phone 
Like, you know, this right. isn't helping at all. Right. <laughs> making me feel like I'm <laughs> in the office with you. This is torture because <laughs> you would not be acting like this in the, in the office. I would get the energy from you. Right. Your small movements would still come through. Well, right now I'm not getting anything from you off the screen. Mm. You kind of had to learn how to be 3D in yeah. the two-dimensional space. Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about, because you said you're a director as well, and you're in theater, right? And in the way I, I see directors as leadership, obviously, right? I mean, you're directing a team towards a goal, whatever that might be, whether it's, you know, a, a play or a movie or, or whatever the goal construction project. But, and I remember um, a person that, that I really uh, am a fan of, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he talked about how when he was a child actor, that um, the director sometimes would just lose their mind. They would just lose their mind if things weren't going perfectly in the script. And he was like, he just kind of watched this guy just lose his mind. And he was like, okay, that must be normal. Directors just lose their mind when things don't go well. And then, you know, he grew up as an actor and then he became a director himself. And he thought back, he was like, wait, that guy was losing his mind. That's the whole purpose. The reason for the director to exist is when things don't go well, right? And we're directing stuff. So in, in relation to leadership, how has you know, your, um, what you took on as your quote unquote day job to make sure that you could do, you know, your art and everything. How, how did that influence and impact your effectiveness as a director? I think they really, um, yin and yang very well together. The directing one weird thing, you know, about that, of course, is you have this instant ensemble, you, you bring people into a room together, no matter how many they are, and, you're, and you maybe rehearse just that six weeks, and then the director pretty much leaves. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're done, and then they go into four or six, eight weeks of performance, mm -hmm. and, and then you go on to the next one, and there's a new group of people. So the flexibility and the ability to work with diverse uh, individuals, depending on the show that you're doing, you may be working with a bunch of people who are older or much younger than you or come from totally different backgrounds. So the ability to be flexible, it super important than when I got to the to the day job, particularly when I was tempting, because again, you're kind of thrown in with a bunch of people that you didn't, uh, you don't necessarily know from week to week what office you're going to be in and things. Um, like that and you have to really be able to amalgamate two different people and i think there's no coincidence that now i am a consultant and i'm going into companies for a short kind of periods of time working with varieties of people and one of the uh, groups that i enjoy working with are other consultants are uh different, uh, you know, financial uh, advisors or CPAs or, you know, people oh, that are going into companies on behalf of or yeah. IT guys, you know, that like they're the service <laughs> and they're being sent in to put in this, this whole system, but they're moving into somebody else's culture. They're mm. new to the culture. So how do they navigate in this quickly? So the fact that you can learn to read people's nonverbal uh, behavior and then kind of modify how you are for the people in the room is really, really crucial for these folks that are coming into somebody else's situation. They have to get buy-in very quickly in order to get what they need, mm -hmm. particularly if it's sensitive material like, like finances and things. They need the mm -hmm. buy-in from the people that are supposed to give them access to files or are supposed to give them tax information. Or <laughs> right, they, they need to be able to communicate to a variety of styles very quickly and so all of this kind of you know works together from what i was doing as my day job and having to deal with a lot of different personalities to at night the same thing and you know and actors you know, god love them but there are divas <laughs> in the mix right there mm -hmm. are <laughs> there are people that uh that you're dealing with ego and and mm -hmm. things like that but then the same thing, you know, you're dealing with, with managers or executives that may come in with, uh, with their own right. egos and how do you manage that and, and deal with it? Oh, yeah. Plenty of the divas in the military as well. Uh, I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> uh, a lot of ego. And I think that's a great transition to a question I was going to ask you because you know, you had mentioned, you know, we, don't, we, we should just not take some of this stuff personally, right? We, and, and I think ego kind of gets in the way of that, right? So what are maybe some tips that you can give that, you know, to help 
someone prevent themselves from taking it personally? A lot of this goes back to that idea of taking everything in context and being able to, you really have to put the brakes on your own reaction. Mm -hmm. And that is a tough thing to learn. But for executives, I'm always telling them, take a breath. Breathe before, before you speak. Take that moment. Do you really want to say this at this moment? Is it going to be helpful or not? Is it really necessary to be said or should I take a moment? The same thing with your emails. Write it. Mm -hmm. Don't send it. Right. <laughs> Give yourself a little bit of time and then reread re it even for innocuous things or even for emails when you're not upset. I mean, people always think that's immediately for when you're upset, uh -huh. but I still suggest that you do it for even a lot of your day-to-day -day communication because there's often things that you've missed. Right. Or you are, again, you're writing it for the way you communicate and the information that you would want. If you take a moment and you reread it, you can look through it and notice, because uh, the way that I instruct is that there's basically three different kinds of types of, of personalities or, or um, characters that you have in your office. You have the researcher that's very information oriented. You have a judge that is very evaluative and likes things in black and white. And then you have the action hero personality that likes to just jump right in and do things. Well, you need to make sure that you've given information in that email that speaks to all of those three types of personalities. Mm. And if I'm a very strong action oriented person, I may not give enough information, mm -hmm. the information people on my team. Right. And if I read it again, I might go, oh, you're right. You know what? I didn't put like where the meeting's going to be because I know where it's going to be and I'm going to show up. But you know what? I forgot to put it in the email. So my mm -hmm. information person's going to immediately email me right back. Right. <laughs> and it's going to say, well, where is the meeting? So you're saving yourself a lot of time in the long run by taking that pause to reread it because it will keep a lot of extra emails and a lot of extra communication from coming back to you because you missed things. And that in once you really know your team, obviously, to you know over time how best to mm -hmm. communicate to them so that you, you look at it objectively and you say, did I include what my team's going to need in order to fulfill what I'm asking them to do? Uh, the same thing with presentations. Am I giving them the information that they that they really need in order to do their job, or am I missing something? So you you kind of know all of that over time because they each have their own decision making process, and you can speak to those uh, that are on your team. Yeah, and I you know, and I notice a lot of times when we start doing those more informal emails that we didn't think through. Um, and they go awry is because we haven't built the trust with whoever we're sending it to. It's like a premature informal email, you know, and it's like, it's like, uh, and I've received some of those. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, who do you think you're talking to, man? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in this email, like, and I have some, you know, internal talk. I'm like, what is going on here? And then I, you know, then I have to, like you said, breathe, <laughs> stop for a second and think, <laughs> You know, I, clearly they didn't intend the message that I'm receiving. So, you know, let, let me let me ask a clarifying question here. <laughs> right. Yeah, there there is a lot of, of miscommunication you know, that that comes through, unfortunately. And, um, you know, the body language piece, too. You know, people have habits or they have quirks mm -hmm. that sometimes you need to read past uh, and and cut them a little slack again, you know, knowing that, OK, this is what they do when they get nervous. So there's an anxiety thing going on right now mm -hmm. because you have your, you know enough about them where you have your eyes primed. You're listening uh, with your eyes and you're noticing, Oh, something's going on here. Anxiety mm -hmm. level is high today. Even just mm -hmm. taking that kind of energy and body language test when you first walk in the, walk in the room and to leave a meeting mm -hmm. over that small talk, Take notice of what's happening because as soon as you go into presentation mode, it's really difficult to gauge what's happening because they stop moving. The people that are listening tend not to move. And when you're presenting, you do all the moving. As managers, we need to make sure that our, uh, the folks that we're talking to or that are under us are doing enough talking so that we can see their movements yeah. and we gauge what's happening. And sometimes I think we get into this, this quick in and out meeting mode. Mm -hmm. 
that the manager just comes in and slaps you know, <laughs> on and then leaves and they haven't had any time to assimilate what's happening or to look at to see whether the team even understood it or mm-hmm. or where they're at and so even these um zoom meetings you know at the very beginning i know it was probably awful and most of your listeners probably can relate to that how are you doing Every time you got on a new, I, I had said I'm fine six times yeah. a day because every meeting <laughs> I get on, everybody's checking in because <laughs> if we needed to do that and it's right. not that that was a bad thing. It's just, you also need to keep in perspective, like other people that I have, other people that you're talking to, have they been asked this question six times? Maybe there's right. a different way to ask it yeah. or maybe you, you come up with, with something different than just how are you doing or how's it going or you know uh there might maybe there's a different question that, that you could ask mm-hmm. um and so you know we we need to be aware you know and ask different kinds of questions in order to elicit different answers but to mm-hmm. develop and continue the rapport with our teams yeah those are some great tips and now i'm starting to think i need to Need to hire you as a consultant so I could go to Vegas and go hit the the the, the tables, <laughs> go go at the poker right. tables. They're like, Allison, yeah. what do you see here? What do you see? Right. <laughs> they can only hold it in for so long. That's, that's the thing. People think they can they can lie their way through things or poker face and that yeah. and the other. But you know the the famous leaks that people talk about. Mm-hmm. They really are, uh, you know, true. It's very exhausting to. Mm-hmm change your movement style for for very long uh and that you know honestly that's probably one of the things that'll be interesting to your listeners is um movement pattern analysis when it comes to like the military military strategy they actually sent tapes of saddam hussein before they were successful in taking him out to our founder of of movement pattern analysis uh warren lamb who has since passed away but they had taken tapes and they sent them to him and they said can you tell anything from his body language to predict his behavior? Mm-hmm. Because we all have patterns. That's why it's called movement pattern analysis. And you can start to predict how somebody will react. Right. And they did the same, they've done the same thing to Putin, uh, which leaked uh, a couple of years ago and um, that he was being looked at uh, and things were taken out of context and it kind of blew up in analysts' <laughs> faces. And we were the butt of jokes on the evening talk shows, but, um, you know, it has been, you know, used as a, as a predictive measure because the one thing that is universal besides cultural things, as you mentioned, uh, going into the Japanese culture that nodding mm-hmm. means something different, like cultural things that are learned are kind of different than what movement pattern analysis is looking at, which is mm-hmm. organic uh, behavior that is more universal uh, across the board. And there's our studies going on right now, and I believe they're still happening with the Naval War College, has been looking at and, uh, and been using movement pattern analysts to see if there's a way to use this observation skill to kind of uh, help them with, with their leaders and who's, you know, for instance, you know, going, who's more apt to follow orders or who's more apt to go against uh, orders, you know, things like that. Um, they're, you know, they're looking at is if this could be a resource uh, even for, uh, you know, for future uh, military things. So there, there's an interesting connection on my website. Actually, there are studies. Some of the studies that have been done have been done with the Naval War College and oh. uh, so they can read They're kind of scientific and, you know, you have to slog through a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but they're still interesting yeah. uh, what they what they were looking at. And uh, so, you know, there. I don't know if anybody's being looked at right now because they <laughs> that's uh, you know classified yeah. information. We didn't know anything about uh, Saddam Hussein until yeah. well, after the fact. Then mm-hmm. we found out as analysts that um, yeah. that it was being you know done. Uh, so there, there may be some wackadoodle leader somewhere that people <laughs> looking at right now. I just don't even know. Yeah. No, I mean, and it kind of lines up because when you first said movement pattern analyst, immediately I thought like intelligence, you know, military intelligence type stuff. So it lines up very well. So, but uh, you talked about your website. I was wondering, um, would you mind um, 
you know, talking about that, maybe um, some of your projects. I know you have a book coming out. You've already written uh, also yes. published. So sign this goes yeah. uh, live there. It should be available. Uh, this new book is called Closing the Distance in Distance Learning, hmm. A Teacher's Guide to Online and Mass Communication. And uh, hmm. obviously it was written for fall 2020 to give teachers a resource for how to show up on the screen or how mm. to communicate behind the mask, uh, which is so important. And I didn't find any resource out there that was similar. And I started talking to teachers and they said, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. if you could help me with my presence and convince my middle schoolers to turn their cameras on, Mm -hmm. That would be great. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot of things in there on, on that side. Uh, my first book is called uh, Reducing the Drama in Business Relationships. And that is all about uh, what we've been talking about, the three types of decision makers mm. and how you can recognize them, not so much from a movement standpoint, but from a, more of a listening because it's a book and there's no, <laughs> there's no live. So my YouTube channel, which if you look up uh, Moving Image Consulting, which is the name of my consulting firm, you will find lots of YouTube videos with lots of tips on there, uh, as well as the website, which is movingimageconsulting.com. And uh, the other thing people probably don't want to look for is my TEDx talk, mm -hmm. which was picked up by TED Global. I'm nice. so thrilled and excited to say. Awesome. <laughs> I did a TED uh, talk earlier this, uh, this summer in June on virtual communication and this whole idea of digital and through the screen. Uh, and apparently uh, Big Ted thought it was <laughs> worthwhile to, uh, to put on the main site. Uh, they must not have a lot of people talking about it either. And um, so if you just go to ted.com and just search my name, Allison Henderson, you'll find it. Uh, or you can you know, watch it through the TEDx site as well. Yeah. That was a thrilling new, uh, new development just the gosh, I, about a week ago. Wow, that's <laughs> a big I, deal. Your talk went to yeah. global, and I was yeah, I was screaming the dog, wow. but you know, yeah, it, it was terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal. Congratulations, that is amazing. That is amazing, and we'll make sure we add um, the links to the um, to the the show notes, including your new book that's coming out probably by the time this is pushed out, probably. Um, but it will yeah, add it, it later. Also, be on Amazon by then for sure. Okay. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, so, you know, you talked about the uh, the new book with some of those tips. Would you be able to leave some tips for our, our, our teammates and our listeners on, um, you know, communicating in this new COVID environment? The best thing I can tell you is to sing head, shoulders, knees, and toes mm. to help you remember how to be better on screen. Mm. Uh, because for one, your head you really need to be watching your facial expressions when you're on the screen uh, and behind a mask. You wanna make sure that you are more expressive, particularly mm -hmm. with the mask so that it comes through your eyes. Mm -hmm. You don't have, you can't see the smile on your face unless it's coming through your eyes. And the same thing with any expression, surprise, frustration, any of that needs to get up uh, higher on your face. Uh, and on, virtual calls as well the the worst thing is what i call resting zoom face right mm -hmm. now you know when it flatlines and you, you're sitting and you're listening but everybody else starts to worry that you're angry or upset because right. they're they're again going to that negative place and they're starting to worry about you um, so head you know keep the smiles going your shoulders Shoulders, chest, and head, ironically, are the communicators of collaboration and relationship. Mm -hmm. And if we could just learn to use them more and actually activate our shoulders, think about when you hug someone, that's, those are the body parts that we use for relationships, for hugging someone. It's what softens when you watch. Uh, if any of you are able to go to bars and restaurants, right now you can find those people on the first date and if the date's going well you'll see their upper body kind of soften as mm -hmm. they are are falling for the other person <laughs> and all of that is is a signal of relationship so we need to use our upper body more mm -hmm. on screen uh, one thing that you can do is even turn slightly so you mm -hmm. get on screen you turn 
to maybe a mm. 30 degree angle or so. Mm -hmm. And that will actually make you look a little bit more 3D through the screen mm. too, because flat on, we flatten if you don't move very much. If yeah. you turn just a little bit, people will think you're more animated. Mm. Uh, knees, the reason I say knees is because people get that Zoom fatigue or they start to feel like, man, I just don't want to sit. Or they mm. complain about, um, you know, geez, I feel like my butt just is getting bigger and bigger because all I do is I sit all day long <laughs> and I'm take not. Butt. <laughs> right. And so the during a call, you know, you can wiggle your knees, you can you can roll your ankles, yeah. you can, you know, you can wiggle because nobody can see you from the waist down. Right. You need to stay awake even if you feel like you're just dying during the call, wiggle around from the waist down. And then toes is to remind you to walk around. Mm -hmm. You have to take breaks because what happens is we go from meeting to meeting to meeting mm -hmm. through the screen and our brain has a hard time transitioning because mm -hmm. we're not physically moving. Normally we move from the office to the conference room or we right. move to a different office or our kids move from classroom to classroom. Mm -hmm. Now virtually we don't get that mental signal that we're yeah. shifting and you need to do that for yourself. So whether it's getting up and just walking around your desk and sitting back down, it mm -hmm. Physically, you need to break that for yourself. And yeah. so that's why uh, head, shoulders, knees, and toes is one of the things that um, that I've been using a lot uh, for quick tips that you can remember. Because yeah. if you can't remember, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are great tips. I know for me, if when, I, when I have a bunch of meetings in a row, I'll end up doing some push-ups or something in between to try to break it up and get some, get some oxygen, <laughs> you know, get some blood flowing yeah. and everything for sure. Yeah. Schedule those breaks. I mean, shorter yeah. meetings, especially if you're scheduling a meeting and you don't know what everybody else's schedule is, if you can't see some kind of grand calendar and mm -hmm. know that, oh, I'm coming right after somebody else's meeting or there, wow, this person's going from meeting to meeting to meeting. Mm -hmm. Try to keep yours short. I, I say use the 50 minute hour, you know, 5 mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of 60 minutes, keep mm -hmm. it to 50 so that that last 10 minutes people have to themselves to take that break before they go into the next one. And you will be, I mean, as a manager, you will be beloved <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah. we're giving your, your team that break and you're acknowledging that right. this is a little strange and shorter is better. Uh, mm -hmm. But so often right now, even those pop-in meetings or what I call drive-by meetings where you just, you know, knock mm -hmm. on somebody's door and you pop your head in, you ask them a question. Mm -hmm. Now they're like scheduled right. Zoom calls and they would normally be five minutes. But now, even if you try to, even if you only schedule it for 15 minutes, well, that's yeah. still 15 minutes instead of five. Right. And we're, you're kind of glomming schedules and mm -hmm. having too many meetings. Yeah. Yeah, that's 100% true. That's some great advice. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, Allison, thank you so much for coming on. And we, you know, when we, um, when we wrap these up, we like to do what we call leadership rapid fire. And we're going to ask you a series of four questions. All right. All right. The first question is, what is your favorite leadership trait? Mm, flexibility. All right. Flexibility. That's a great one. All right. Question number two, what is your favorite quote? Um, hmm. I think my favorite quote is nobody would have ever heard of, um, man moves to satisfy a need. Mm. So it's, it comes from our founder, Rudolf Laban, who, <laughs> mm. uh, but he wanted to get to why people are moving and man always moves to satisfy a need. There's some reason. And so what is that motivation? Hmm. Yeah, I just immediately thought, why did the chicken cross the road? That was a good, <laughs> like, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's kind of a forward, backwards, right? Right, right. <laughs> awesome. All right, um, what would be a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader? We're going to definitely add your books on the thing, but any other that you would recommend? Uh, I think The Go-Giver is always mm. a great resource a lot of your guests may have mentioned it uh it's it's that whole mindset of giving more than you receive or that you know it will come back to you and i think that works in leadership and entrepreneurship and you know all across the board yeah that's awesome i actually think that you might be the first person that recommended that book so far oh, that's, that's well, a great one yeah yeah <laughs> awesome and then this is the uh, the deep question however you want to interpret it but um at the llama lounge we're all about life learning and leadership so how does allison henderson find her harmony between life learning and leadership 
So life learning and leadership, uh, I think the harmony comes from focus, meditation, and mindset. Mm. I, I wasn't brought up. I mean, if I had learned, I think, meditation and mindset mm-hmm. as an actor or as an early director, you know, my life probably would have been different because it just propels you and, and you do so much more, I think, in life because you've focused and you have your mindset in the right place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess that's what I use today, which is a big difference or where I, when I've seen my company grow or when I've seen myself, you know, I couldn't have written this last book if I didn't have that inspiration to, wow, this is something that people need and then mm-hmm. focus on, okay, if this is what people need, how do I make this happen? Where instead of being kind of all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, really focusing and having the right mindset, positive mindset, even when things are going wrong. And I didn't really, I didn't grow up, you know, that was before, that was when um, mindset and all that was just woo woo. And it was, uh, you know, all hippie dippy stuff. Right? <laughs> and now, now it's got a little more mainstream and I finally f- figured it out for myself yeah. too. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Wow, that, that was great. That's some great advice as well throughout this um, episode. And we really appreciate you coming on the Llama Lounge. Yeah, and it's been fun. And who wouldn't want to be on a podcast called the Llama Lounge? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what I say all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was a brilliant inspiration when it uh, won a new card. And I did listen to your first episode. So I do oh. from everybody else. You got to go back to listen to number one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Allison. And um, really appreciate everything you're doing and sharing your wisdom with us. And um, I know our listeners got a lot from it. And, um, you know, to all our listeners, as always, be safe, stay healthy, and the llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.